continue this teaching on the, uh, the rapture of the church. Uh, we started this several Sundays ago, and this is probably going to be the one that I finish it up with, I think, uh, not lo- lest the Lord says otherwise for next Sunday. Um, and today's title of this message is The Timing of the Rapture, and I had to put a caveat on there, according to the Bible, okay, according to the Bible. And there's basically four ways that people respond to these teachings. And I'm just going to say this. A lot of churches don't even teach this, what I've been teaching you. Um, a lot of the mega churches uh, that are in our nation today, they stay away from teaching on you know, the end times or eschatology uh, because they don't want to uh, offend people. They don't want to run people off. They, don't want, they feel like if they teach on this stuff, then the giving's going to go down. There's a lot of reasons why... People won't teach on this, but there's the reason I teach on this is because it's the truth. And the truth is what people need today. We don't need, you know, the, 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 the gospel that itches people, you know, tickles people's ears. We need the, the truth, and the truth is what sets you free. And so there's basically four ways that people respond uh, to this teaching. And number one is they just say, I don't know, Pastor Mark. Well, that's good. If you don't know, you're going to know after today. Um, and I hope, and I'd encourage you, if you haven't been here for the, all these teachings, go back and listen online or the podcast. So that's okay if you don't know. That's why we have to have teachers in the body of Christ. Number two is you've heard about it, but you still don't know. That's okay as well. That just means you're uninformed. You, you don't know enough about it. That's okay. So that you're going to get informed today. Um, the third one is a very, um, this is not a good place to be. I've heard it, but I don't believe it. That's not a good place to be Um, because once you hear the truth, you have got to respond to the truth in the way that when you hear the truth from God's word, you're required to believe it. Amen? All right, and number four is you heard it and you believe it, and I pray that that's who I'm talking to today, and this is just going to reinforce some things or maybe some things that you didn't know that's going to help you when you're out there witnessing to others. This is a great tool to use to witness to other people. Now, if you have your Bibles, there's a few scriptures I'm going to have you turn to today. And, of course, I'm going to have some on the PowerPoint, too. But I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. And if you're taking notes, you, you might want to write these down because they're not on the, on the slide uh, today, the PowerPoint slides. But 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. And this is the Apostle Peter speaking to the church, and he says, Know this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming, about Jesus' coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And so in these last days, and you're probably going to run into some people like this, I have as well, people that scoff, at the rapture of the church or even scoff at the second coming. And we know that the rapture and the second coming are two different events. That's what we've been learning. And I'm going to tell you five reasons just real quick. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. I don't have them on the PowerPoint. But five reasons why people need to be taught this. And we believe in the imminent return of Jesus, meaning it can happen at any moment, any day. Amen? Okay. And... The first, I'm going to give you five reasons why you need to believe this. Number one is when you believe this, what this does to you on the inside of you is you begin to purify yourself. You begin to to cleanse yourself. Uh, 
from all sin. This is 1 John 3, verse 3. You purify yourself as he is pure. The second thing is that you do is you judge yourself so that you'll escape the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. You're, you're here. You can judge yourself, right? And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. So you pur- purify yourself, 1 John 3, 3. Judge yourself, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. The third one, the scripture is Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, is this is where you expose secret sins. Amen? You get them out in the open. You talk about them. You let people know. You get a counselor, whatever you need to do, you get them out in the open. You talk to the Lord about them, okay? You talk to other people about them. Now, you got to find trusted people to talk to. You know, a pastor, uh, you know, a friend, a brother or sister in Christ, but you get them out in the open because Numbers 32 verse 23 says, be sure of this, your sins will find you out. If you don't expose them, the Lord's going to expose them because he loves you so much. That's how much he loves you. The fourth one is you give your tithes and offerings to the body of Christ. That's Malachi 3.10. If you just think that you're going to stay here and, and you know, we need to plan and, you know, plan for retirement and all those kind of things. We occupy till he comes. But you, what this does to you, it makes you a giver. You're storing up things in heaven ahead of time. If you don't believe this, and you're not storing up anything in heaven. Number five, the fifth one, is Acts 1.8. And what this does is you begin to witness more. Meaning you, you have this, uh, you want other people to know about Jesus. You want your family to know. You want your loved ones to know. So you become more of a witness to other people. So you purify yourself. You judge yourself. You expose yourself to the secret sins in your life. You give, give to the Lord in your tithes and your offerings. And then you witness more. Those are the five things that this teaching will cause you to do. And everybody said amen. Okay, so we're going to get into this teaching today. And is everybody ready to learn something today? And I'm going to kick over some sacred cows, I think, today, too, in the meantime, uh, that some of you may have, and that's okay, because I want you to see some things in Scripture. And um, here's number one. I've got basically two main points in this, in this teaching, and this is the number one point. There's going to be some sub-points underneath of it. But here's the point number one, the calendar aspect of the timing of the rapture. And I can remember growing up, and I can remember my parents. I know my mom's watching today. My dad couldn't be here this morning. Uh, but I remember growing up in the 80s, and I remember my dad and my mom reading Hal Lindsey. How many of you remember Hal Lindsey? All right, and the Lord was coming back in the 80s, and he even wrote a book about it. He needs to apologize to the body of Christ because we're still here. <laughs> Amen. You know, so we don't set dates. We don't set times. We don't set years, all those things. But I think as Christians... We can know the times and the seasons, and we're in that time and that season. I believe that with all of my heart. And so there's a calendar aspect of the timing of the rapture, so we're not going to, to, to set dates, but here's point number one underneath this. There is zero information in the Bible that enables us to pinpoint a date of the rapture. In fact, the Bible teaches that it's going to be a sudden event. It's going to be a, a surprise event. Everybody say zero information. There is zero information in the Bible that enables us to pinpoint a date of the rapture. And I'm just going to look at what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, he says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor myself. He says, I don't even know, guys, but the Father only. 
He says it again in Matthew 24, verse 44. He says, therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So basically, we got to be ready at all times. Amen? Um, and I'm going to get to something here in a little bit. I just about spouted off something. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, I'm just wanting to just pour this into you this morning. Here's number two. There is zero information in the Bible that enables us to determine that the rapture is in the immediate future, days or weeks ahead. Meaning we're not going to be, as Christians, just listen to me just for a second, we're not going to know in days and weeks ahead of time that it's about to happen. It's going to be a sudden event. It's going to be, it's going to be a surprise event. It's going to take us, we're going to know the times and the season, but we're going to be surprised as well. Amen. Okay, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of that day. He's speaking to us again today. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, everybody say the day of the Lord, will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there is peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So if you're living in the light, it's not going to surprise you. We're going to know, but it's still going to surprise, okay? Everybody understand that? It's going to surprise the world big time. Now, I'm going to give you three things. Um, if If you like studying Bible prophecy like I do, I'm going to give you three words here, phrases that you need to know. Whenever you say, or whenever a pastor says, and I know I've said it, we're going to study the end times. Well, the end time, the word end times is not even in the Bible, okay? Um, also, the word Trinity is not even in the Bible, but the word Godhead is, all right? So, the end times capsulates, capsulates all these, these words up here. Number one, the last days. Number two, the end and number three, the day of the Lord. Now, all those are in the Scripture. The last days, so when you see the last days written in Scripture, what that means is from the first coming to the second coming of Christ. Those are the last days, that time period. We're in the last days. Amen? That's why Paul even said, when he was writing to the church, he said, we're in the last days. Because he was. We're in the last days. We're closer than Paul was. Amen? Okay. The end, in the end, you'll read a lot about it in the book of Daniel. That, cap, that encompasses the rapture, the great tribulation, and the second coming of Christ. So from the rapture, then the great tribulation, and the second coming of Christ, that is the end. And then the day of the Lord is from the rapture through the millennial kingdom. Okay. Now, I know that maybe muddied the waters a little bit. So I'm going to show you a little graph, uh, a little chart, I should say that will help you understand this. So the whole thing up there is understanding the day of the Lord. So the first thing that happens on the day of the Lord is the rapture of the church. And the Bible calls this when the morning star appears. Jesus is the morning star. How many of you are deer hunters in here? Have you ever got up before dawn to go out and get in your deer stand? And it's all, I can tell you, I've done that. And I can tell you this, that, that old saying that it's always darkest before the dawn, dawn it is. It's always darkest right before the dawn. But the first thing that appears in the sky is not the sun, but the morning star. That's Jesus. You don't know when it's going to appear, but it appears. And so Jesus is the morning star. And when, that, when he appears, that's when the rapture of the church is going to happen. 
And that starts what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. And so the, do- the, the, the day starts dawning during the tribulation. All right? So when the, sun, when the sunrise happens is when Jesus comes back at the second coming. That's the sunrise. How many of you know that before the sunrise, everybody knows that the sun's about to come up? Have you ever been outside? Okay. Before the second coming, now the rapture is going to capture everybody by surprise. But before the second coming, before the sunrise, before Jesus steps foot back down on this planet, everybody's going to know, even atheists, that he's about to come back. And the reason why, if you see that little red, terrifying signs in the heavens, this book is going to be coming alive to people, and they're going to have to realize this book is true. He's about to come back. God is coming back. And so that's when the day fully dawns, sunrise, when he comes back. And then the day proper that you see there, that's the thousand-year reign of Christ, the, the millennial kingdom. Everybody with me? Okay, now I'll send you that, that chart if you want that. So it's always darkest before the dawn. There's a scripture that I love that I'm going to read, and it's, it's one of them up there under the morning star, and I'm going to read 2 Peter 1, verse 19, because I've often wondered, you know, when I'm t- telling you all it's going to be a surprise, but we walk in the light if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, so is it really going to be a surprise? Are we going to know just right ahead of time? You know, how, how's God going to let us know? And th- I love this scripture in 2 Peter 1, verse 19. It says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Where did Jesus say the kingdom of God was at? On the inside of us. And so, <laughs> this is just the way I think. Me and the Lord, when I sit around and talk, I was like, Lord, how's it going to happen? Are we going to see you up there or are we just going to spontaneously combust and go into heaven? You know, are, are we really going to be like the Left Behind series that you see and our clothes are going to fall off and we're gonna, they're all going to fall behind? Or are we just going to just poof, as starburst and go into heaven? I don't know. I, I can't wait. But all I know is the morning star is going to rise up in my heart because the kingdom of God is within me. And I, I believe that we're all going to, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to know right before it happens. Amen? Oh, can't wait. Can't wait, guys. Here's number three. This ought to excite you. Number three is the Bible implies, okay, here's where we're going to kick over some sacred cows, okay? The, the bread and butter of, if you, if you know Bible prophecy or you like to study Bible prophecy, the bread and butter of Bible prophecy teachings always centers around the Jewish feasts, all right? But the Bible, so we, what do I always tell you? The Bible interprets what? Bible. Bible. The Bible implies that the rapture of the church will not happen on a Jewish feast date. And everybody's like, say, what? And I'm even going against somebody that I even listen to a whole lot is my, my pastor, Pastor Jimmy Evans, and he teaches, he doesn't, he doesn't set a date, but he says, it's, you know, he, he talks about the Jewish feast and how other things have happened on Jewish feasts, and he thinks the Feast of Trumpets is when Jesus is going to come back because that's also the, the, the wedding feast, kind of a, the feast and all this, and and it's a great teaching, and when you listen to it, you're like, yeah, Jesus. And so what that does to people, really, without him doing it, and he, don't, he doesn't set dates, okay? I love Pastor Jim and his teachings, but it does kind of set a date because everybody starts looking for the Lord to return around September because that's when Rosh Hashanah is. 
So everybody decides, well, we'll live out if we want to for the rest of the year. And then we come to September, we better get right with God because he's about to come back. The Bible teaches that we're to be ready at all times, at all times. In fact, uh, I'm probably going to get an email or, or a text from my aunt, uh, Lenita, when she watches this because she was telling me last year, she says, I think the Lord's going to come back on September the 17th, you know, and we were just talking about it. And, uh, and I said, well, I hope he does because you know why? Because that's my birthday. That'd be a great birthday present for the Lord to come back. And that was right around Rosh Hashanah and the Jewish New Year and all that stuff. And, uh, and so we, I love to kid her about stuff. And so she's gonna, I'm going to send this message to her later today. But the Bible implies that the rapture of the church will not happen on a Jewish feast date. Now let me explain this. Ephesians 1, verse 22 through 23 this is what this says. It says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Basically what the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Ephesus is that Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? So if Jesus is the head of the church, we're the body, right? The body of Christ. So Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. So what is in, in the natural, the body always follows the head, right? We hope so, right? Okay, if not, there's something's wrong. Um, so now I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1, and I want to show you something. Acts chapter 1. Everybody staying with me? Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We let in Bible interpret Bible. And I want you to look at verse 6, and I'm going to read this to you. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is after Jesus is resurrected. They're talking to the resurrected Lord now, the disciples are. And in verse 7, he tells them again, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9 says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, so these were angels, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, and it ain't going to be a different Jesus, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will, come, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, there's a reason why I read this to you. Jesus, this is the ascension of Jesus. Jesus ascended, get this, off of the Jewish calendar. There was no Jewish date associated with this. So it was 40 days after the Feast of First, first Fruits and 10 days before Pentecost is when he ascended. That's why I believe we can't set dates, and I don't think it's going to be in conjunction with the Jewish feast when Jesus comes back, because we need to always, at all times, be ready. Not just in September, not just during the Jewish New Year. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so here's, so if you've never been taught this about Jewish feasts, I'm just going to kind of give it to you real simply. There, in, in the Jewish calendar, there are four spring feasts, and there are three fall feasts. So the four spring uh, four spring feasts are this, Passover, which that was when Jesus was slain. That was when he died, okay? 
And so the and that's where that scripture, the Lamb of God who took away, who takes away the sins of the world. Then there's the feast of the unleavened bread, and this is uh, represents the Jewish remnant, the Jewish remnant of the church started their new covenant pilgrimage with the Lord at this time. This also represents the death of the Messiah who removed the leaven of sin, removed the sin of mankind. And then there's the feast of first fruits, which this means the Messiah was resurrected, okay? And then there's the feast of Pentecost, and this was when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Jewish remnant that was in the upper room. Now, I want you to realize I'm saying Jewish remnant because the Gentiles hadn't been added yet. We're Gentile. Amen? Okay. And so, but you might say, well, Pastor Mark, getting the Pentecost the, the birthday of the church? Yes, it was the birthday of the church, but the Gentiles, us Gentiles, hadn't been added yet to the church. And so then you go into the, the trumpets and the Feast of Trumpets. That's where a lot of uh, Bible prophecy teachers think that's when the rapture is going to happen, then the atonement, the second coming, and then the tabernacles is going to be the millennial kingdom. It may be. I'm not saying that it's not. But I don't see it in, by, in, the, in the word that it guarantees it's going to happen because I have scripture in Acts chapter 1 that when Jesus ascended, he ascended off of the Jewish calendar to say that I'm the king of this world for all of mankind. Not just the Jewish people, but the Gentile people as well. And everybody said, amen. And what that does for me is it makes me be ready at all times, not just in September. <laughs> all time. And, and that should make everybody be ready at all times as well. You know, I, here's the deal. I, I'm just ready for him to come back. Amen. And if he comes back on a Jewish feast day, so be it. I'm going to be ready. But I'm also going to be ready if he doesn't. And everybody said amen. So I'm not setting dates. I'm just showing you what the Bible says. Here's number four. We're given two general proximity factors in the Bible for the timing of the second coming, but they offer little help in the timing of the rapture. So we know that the rapture is going to happen before the second coming, obviously, and then there's going to be seven years of tribulation. Uh, Jacob's trouble is what the Bible teaches, and then there's going to be the second coming. Now, but we don't know. A lot of Bible prophecy teachers teach this, that there's going to be the rapture, and then there's going to be the, the Gog and Magog war and all those the, the wars that's going to lead us right into tribulation. Just boom, boom, boom. It's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. Boom, boom, boom. It may be a rapture, and it may be years separated before the seven years of tribulation and the second. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm going to throw something else out there. This is not Bible. I'm just telling you from the pulpit, Pastor Mark, something that I have thought about that, well, Pastor Mark, when this rapture happens, how is this going to be explained away? I believe it's going to be explained away with aliens, UFOs. Now, the reason why I say that is and I believe the UFO phenomena, or UAP, however you want to say it, I believe that's demonically inspired. And I believe that the reason why back it used to be shunned, and when people started talking about UFO, I can't believe I'm saying this from the pulpit today, you know, because everybody's looking at me, I can't believe he said UFO and said aliens in church. Yeah, I said it because I think that's how it's going to be explained away. Because it used to be shunned and crazy when people talked about UFO. Now, just over the last few years, the government's saying now that there's UAPs out there, there's UFOs out there. Now, why is that happening? I believe that's why all this is going to be explained. This rapture of the church phenomenon, this, what's happening from the Word of God, that's how it's going to be explained away. And um, that's just what I, I feel that. 
that that's one of the one of the ways it's going to be explained away. So we're given these two general proximity factors in the Bible for the timing of the second coming, but they offer little help in the timing of the rapture. And the first one is the fig tree generation. And this is in Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 34. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. And the fig tree is talking about Israel. As soon as this branch becomes tender and it puts out leaves, and this is when Israel became a nation again, and it became a nation again in May of 1948. By the way, and I'm just going to say it again about UFOs and aliens, and I even told my mom this, that when UFOs and aliens came on the scene was in 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. It's kind of ironic that it happens kind of around when when Israel became a nation. You know that the summer is near. Verse 33 says, So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, and this is the part that really gets me, gets me excited. He says, when you see Israel become a nation again in May of 1948, then he says, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. And it's talking about the second coming. So we can't really, doesn't give us a time frame of the rapture, but it gives us a time frame of the second coming. Now, here's the, uh, the 6,000, or let me say this about this theory here, the fig tree um, generation is if Israel became a nation in 1948, and we all know that happened, that's, that's fact, then how long is a Bible generation? Well, that's where a lot of scholars, you know, they disagree. We don't know. It doesn't really just come right out. You can see there's, there's a scripture that says 70 years. There's a scripture that says, you know, you add 10 to that, it's 80. And uh, then I've have, I have a scripture that you can even say back in Genesis when God told man after the flood that you, your lifespan is going to be 120. How many of you want to live to be 120? Okay. <laughs> he said 120. Then so if you take, so I'm just throwing this out there. So if it's 120, because that's the, that's the biggest year mark I can see for a generation for somebody living their lifespan, then you add 120 to 1948, that's 2068. So I'm not setting dates, okay? I'm not setting a year. That's still a long time from now, but that's the time frame for the second coming. So see, we're 2023, 2068. The rapture can happen any moment during that time period. And it may not, that may not be a generation in God's eyes. I don't know what is. That's why we have to be ready at all times. All right, so here's the 6,000-year theory. Some of you may have heard this. This is a typology and creation account that God worked for six days of creation, then he rested on the... The Sabbath on the seventh day. Second Peter three eight says one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day with the Lord. And there's also a scripture in Hosea chapter five verses fourteen through chapter six verse two that God returns to Israel after two days. So if that's the case, then there's four thousand years supposedly with this six thousand year theory. There's four thousand years from the garden in the book of Genesis to the cross. And then there's 2,000 years from the cross to the kingdom or the start of the millennial kingdom. So if you add, add this up, we think that Jesus died A.D. 33, uh, and it, that could be off a few years either way. And so you say the cross, A.D. 33 plus 2,000 years equals two days, according to 2 Peter 3.8, then you're looking at 2033, 2033, when the Lord's going to come, the second coming 
So there's, there's you another theory there. So um, we don't know. Look at somebody say, we don't know. That's why we have to be ready. Now, I'm going to show you something else. This is number two, number, Roman numeral number two in the teaching, is the character of the age aspect of the timing of the rapture. And so we can know by the character of the age that we're living in. The scriptures are very clear that the church will not be raptured in a time when she's enjoying peace and comfort. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> okay. It's going to get dark. It's already getting dark, and it's going to get darker. But the church is going to get brighter at the same time. But it's not going to be the whole church. It's only going to be a remnant that's going to hang on to the truth of God's word. Let me show you this. I want you to go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And I hope you're noticing I'm trying to stay with what Jesus said. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. This is what Jesus said about the last days. He says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He was basically saying it was business as usual. You know, everything was normal. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is in on the housetops and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. And that's what Jesus said. Now, what was going on during the days of Noah, even though it was business as usual, normal, everyday life, what was going on in the days of Noah and the days of Lot was perversion, violence, and lawlessness. We're, live, we're living in a day and age, people, where I would have never dreamed in my lifetime that I would hear things on the news about defund the police. That's ludicrous. That's crazy. But that's a spirit of lawlessness. That's a spirit of antichrist already at work. Just letting people take over cities and just burn stuff and loot and all that kind of just lawlessness running rampant. Now, here's what the Apostle Paul says. So we're talking about the character of the age, and we can definitely tell that we're in that in that time span. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose conscience are seared, who forbid marriage and request and require abstinences from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving. I'm ready to eat some turkey, by the way, and I'm going to eat my fill this week by those who believe and know the truth, all right? Now, when we read that, we think, golly, that's for somebody else. That's for the world. That's for sinners. No, the Apostle Paul is talking that this is going on in the church of so-called Jesus Christ. Have we been seeing that? We have. We've seen it right here in our own hometown. That's what happened in the Methodist church. They had to take a stand for what the Bible says. And it split that church. And here's what I'm going to tell you. That's gonna, you're going to see that. We're going to see more and more of that over these little bitty things about marriage and, and food and all these kinds of things. We're going to see more and more of this. And what Paul says, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves 
to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons because they will not adhere to the truth of God's word. So they want to have their ears tickled and they want to go with what they feel like is the truth. This is the truth, not what you feel like is the truth. And everybody said, amen. All right, so that, that's going to be going on in the church, and we've already seen that. And we've seen that even here in our, our own hometown, which I would have never would have dreamed that we'd ever see that. Here's 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Young people, listen to me. Obey your parents. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Don't you just love this list? My gosh. Uh, Verse 4 says, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're going to be hedonistic in all of their ways, having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power. Avoid such people. This is not talking about people in the world. This is not talking about sinners. This is talking about people within the church. And God says, the, the word says, avoid such people. If you're, if it, avoid such churches like that. Last week, guys, and I'm telling you, we are living in this character of this age. We're seeing things that I, and hearing of things that I never thought I would have to deal with or talk, even talk about as a pastor. Okay, uh, or even as, just as a Christian, um, there was a family here last Sunday who they're not able to be here every Sunday, and they usually come about once or twice a month. And they were here last Sunday, and after church, we were visiting, and they were talking about where they they live at, which is not too far from here, um, in the town that they live in. That there's a, a seventh grader who is pregnant. She's 12 years old. 12 years old. And they're having to deal with this because they have kids in that class. They're having to talk to their children about these things. Um, then, we, then we started talking about she has another child that's in a class where there's this deal called furries. I never even knew what this was. I've had to talk. My daughter's had to deal with it being in, you know, hearing about it being a, a counselor and everything. But this is where, where kids are starting to identify that they're an animal. And some of them are identifying that they're a cat. I'm telling you guys, whenever I was in school, you went to Fort Supply if you was like this. For, and I'm, Fort Supply was the, was the mental hospital. You needed help. You needed counseling. You needed medication. I'm serious. And, and, but God, and this, uh, this is in schools around here. This is in schools in Woodward. This is in schools in El Reno. This is in schools in Weatherford. That they're allowing children, they're allowing kids to bring um, litter boxes up to their schools and put them in their restrooms so that they, because they identify as a cat and they're calling themselves furries so that when they go to the restroom, they can use the restroom in a litter box. This is happening in Oklahoma in the middle of the Bible Belt. I'm not talking about the East Coast or the West Coast. I'm talking about right here in Bible America. I had, and, this, this, and so this mother and father were telling me, Pastor, how do we deal with this? And I was like, well, here's the first thing. You've got to teach your children the truth at home. They've got to know who they are. And, and they said, well, I have, <laughs> they had one of their sons was standing up to it and telling them, this ain't right. And I'm like, well, that's good. But then you're going to have to teach him, too, when to say it and when not to. Sometimes just to walk away. And because you're, you're, some of them are just... 
that's, that's what they believe, that's what they're doing. And you're not going to change their mind at all, no matter how much Bible you tell them. And um, so we, we talked about that a little bit. But another one was she was dealing with was another one of her children. Um, I think they have three, by the way. It's making it sound like they got, golly, how many kids they get, Pastor Mark? Um, she's, listen, <laughs> she's in fourth grade. And her fourth grade daughter, or no, it was a son, fourth grade son, was seeing another child that was on their phone looking at transgenders, people that were transgender, and just scrolling through and looking at them. And the, the other child talked to him and said, no, I believe that God created male and female. And so this little child in fourth grade tells him, well, my parents are both transgender. She, she doesn't have it. She's so confused. She don't, she don't even know what's what's right because she's not being taught the right thing at home she's not being taught the truth at home i never thought well i'd live in the day where we'd see drag queens dressing up and reading to kids in libraries and in schools never thought and i never thought people would even allow that to happen that's being allowed to happen i just wanted to, and I, I even thought about throwing pictures up here to just make us realize what's really going on but i was like no y'all have seen them all i don't need to do that don't need to get that graphic but I am telling you, that's what's going, that is the character of the age that we're living in that the Apostle Paul said was going to be happening in the last days. This is the same, it's the same demonic spirits, just different people. Same demonic spirits that were happening in the, in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. The same stuff's going on today. But where it starts at is not the church house. It starts in the homes. The homes. But also in the church, the church has got to be speaking the truth. And there's a lot of churches that are not talking about this and not speaking the truth. I'm going to be shouting from the rooftop to get people set free. My hope, and I, I know some people are going to be combative to it, and you know, because uh, we're living in a society that don't just they don't just tolerate it, guys. They're celebrating it, celebrating it. Let them bring the litter box up to school. Let's celebrate that. That's crazy. Like I said. It, when I grew up, which was not that long ago, I'm not that old, when I grew up in school, you went to Fort Supply, and you got help. You got counseling, you got medication, because you needed help. And now we're just celebrating this stuff. Guys, this is the character of the age that we're living in, and I wish I could tell you as your pastor that things are going to get brighter, that they're going to get darker. And we're going to have to speak out, and we're going to have to raise our children right. I thank God that I've got some strong-willed grandkids because they're going to need that strong will in the days that they're living in. Jarek, when I, I think I've told this story here, but um, they had a dress-up day at school for homecoming week, and one of those dress-up days was they had to wear their clothes backwards or wrong side out. And he told his mom, he goes, I ain't doing that. And Tay was like, well, Jarek, you know, all the other kids are going to be doing it, and you, you really need to do it. He's like, that, that ain't right. And he goes, and I don't even want to go to school today because I don't want to see everybody wearing their, their clothes wrong side out. And so she finally said, Jarek, you're going to go to school. And he said, well, Mom, I'm not wearing it like that. And, uh, and so Taya just went with it, and he, he went to school and had a good time. And later that day, you know, we were talking about it, we were laughing, and I've, I was thinking about it when I was driving, and all of a sudden the Lord dropped this in my spirit. He said, you need to be thanking God that he's got that strong of a will at the age of four that he knows what he, how he's going to identify himself as, that he's not going to be wrong side out. I just started praising God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So if you've got strong-willed kids and grandkids, steer them in the right way. Amen?
because they're going to need that in these last days. All right. Now, uh, one more scripture that I'm going to show you because this leads into um, something that I want to share is uh, what's holding God from coming now? Well, I mean, why, why doesn't he just, let's just stop all this nonsense now. And there's a reason why, but I want, you, I want to show you a, a pattern of it in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, and it's amazing how that when you start teaching on the end times, that you go back to the, you know, Jesus even said, go back to Noah, go back to Lot, go back to Genesis, and I'm going to show you what's going on. Genesis chapter 15, and this is verses 12 through 16, and this is Abraham, and this is a prophetic word that God spoke to Abraham over him and over the, the Jewish remnant, the, over the children of Israel. And in verse 12, in Genesis chapter 15, I'm going to read down through verse 16, it says, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. So he's talking about the Jewish, the Hebrew people, being slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. And then this is what really got me. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And I was like, what? God, I mean, what, what are you doing? You're waiting for the iniquity to get to a certain level before you bring judgment, before you bring, first of all, deliverance for us, and before you bring judgment. Now, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 11, and I'm going to show you this scripture on the screen. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the Roman church. He says, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. That's what's going on with Israel right now. They're blinded to who the Messiah, Jesus, really is. And then he says, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. So there's this iniquity that God is waiting on, the fullness of the Gentiles to come before he delivers us and before judgment comes. I don't understand that, but I can see it in the book of Genesis. And when I was studying this, I was like, God, why, why are we, why, God? And this is why. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, that all should reach repentance. There's going to be some people that's going to come, because it's getting darker out there, they're going to come to repentance because they're sick and tired of seeing the filth and the perversion and the violence and the lawlessness. And they're going to be starting seeking out truth. But they're going to find the churches that are preaching the truth and they're going to get set free. And they're going to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What the enemy is intended for evil, God's turning to the good. And God's being patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish. That's what's going on. When does that, when does it, because I'm like, God, it's full. 
I mean, we got furries running around. We, you know, God, I mean, it's crazy. It's like, this is cray-cray town going on down here, God. And it, is it not full yet? And he's like, Mark, I still got more wanting to come into the kingdom. And I need you to keep heralding the truth. Heralding the truth. You guys are heralds of truth, too, in your homes, in your businesses. And you're, you've got circles of influence that I don't have. And you need to herald the truth wherever you go and tell people the truth. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. So don't wait till September to get right with God because that's the Jewish New Year. <laughs> no, it's like January. You know, it's like, come up, I'm, you know, on our calendar. Well, we're going to get right with, you know, get everything right. We're going to lose weight and do all this stuff in January, right? No, just, let's do it today. Amen. And getting the weight of sin off of us today. One last scripture I'm going to read. This is John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. This is a type and shadow. I heard a prophecy teacher share this, and I thought, man, that's really good. I've never seen that before. And he was talking about that this is a, a, a type and shadow of the church in the last days and when it's dark. And he says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus had not come to them. And the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about two or three or two or three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Guys, it's gonna get it's gonna get darker right before the dawn. But when the morning star arrives, you're gonna hear that in your heart. He's gonna say, It is I, do not be afraid. Come up here. Guys, I can't wait. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land to which they were going. Guys, that we're, we're right there. We're living in that character of that age that the Noah was living in, that Lot was living in. We're seeing perversion, lawlessness, violence like we've never seen before. And guys, we're fixing to hear the trumpet sound very soon. And I'm just encourage you as your pastor, why I'm teach, the reason why I'm teaching this is because that we will all be ready and get people around you ready. Share these messages with people because there's a lot of people that don't understand anything about the rapture of the church. And everybody said, amen. I want everybody to bow your heads in here this morning. And I just want to make sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior before you leave today. I also want to make sure that those who are watching online, listening online, that they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There's going to be people that hear this on uh, social media, on the radio. And so the Bible makes it very clear that all you have to do is very simple is just place your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. And the Bible says in Romans 10 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want to lead you in that prayer to help you call upon the Lord. And even if you are saved, I want you to repeat this prayer with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God, and you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If that's the first time you've prayed that, your very next step is to follow the Lord in water baptism. And we can do that next Sunday. You just need to 
to let me know. Everybody learned something today? Okay. Jada, will you come up here? We're going to speak a blessing over you. Don't forget about tonight at 6, if you can make it, 6 p.m. here at the church. We're having our community Thanksgiving service, and we're going to have finger foods afterwards. Our praise team is going to sing, I think, three songs. And then we're going to, uh, Pastor Mike, the new pastor at the Methodist Church, is going to bring the message. And then we're going to have finger foods, you know, at, back there in the back, I think. Mm-hmm. Is it back in the back? Mm-hmm. We're out here. Back in the back afterwards. And so we're going to have a good time of fellowship. So bring your family and friends. We're going to have a good time. All right, let's all stand up. And I'm going to speak a blessing over you. And if you're not going to be with us tonight, have a blessed Thanksgiving. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said amen. Hug somebody's neck and say happy Thanksgiving. Love you guys. Have a blessed week.